It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to BGN Radio. Welcome to This Week in Fantasy. No, not that kind of fantasy. A little more nerdy, a little less... Sexy. I mean, is there any doubt that Superman wouldn't be the greatest fantasy baseball player in the world? That's the ticket. What's going on, BGN Radio fans? How are you? And welcome to the very first edition of This Week in Fantasy. Uh, Some uh, quick notes before we get started. We have actually been uh, doing this with my co-host here for about the past two or three years. Uh, Not only is he one of the greatest fantasy minds that I know, he kicks my butt in every league that we've ever been in. And we basically just call each other and uh, hug uh, and kiss about fantasy football basically all the time. Not only that... He's also uh, a writer for FF Toolbox, which has been around for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, uh, creating and providing great fantasy information. He's from Chicago, Illinois. His name is Tony Casali. Tony, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Good evening. Good afternoon uh, to everybody and to yourself. Uh, yeah, it's funny. We, t- we talk about um, getting to hear each other's voice and talk about fantasy football. We, Even though we only record this starting in the summer, uh, we're talking to each other in March about fantasy <laughs> exactly. football. In January, once the season ends, we're, we're already doing mock drafts, which I know is almost ridiculous is doing actual mock drafts, uh, you know, in February. But uh, it's what we do. It's our lives and, and we enjoy it. We're putting it into the fold along with all the other great uh, Eagles coverage that you're going to be seeing here. Uh, And speaking of Eagles coverage, just a reminder uh, that our editor-in-chief, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton, along with a select of others, Jimmy Kemsky, and uh, a bunch of other people have started and created the new edition of Eagles Almanac for 2014. Uh, You can find that pretty much on any site or just go to eaglesalmanac.com. And if you hang with us uh, throughout the rest of the summer and throughout the fantasy season, we're definitely going to be giving some of those away along with BGN Radio and all that good stuff. But Mr. Tony Casali, let's get right into it. Uh, We should tell the audience that we are, you know, 
We love talking about fantasy football, but we're not going to bore you with, uh, am I going to take uh, Jamal Charles or Matt Forte or, uh, you know, Shady McCoy 1-2. We want to get into those those different tiers. We want to look at the average draft position of everything uh, that's been coddled together and kind of give you the best basis in the later rounds, what you should do on the waiver wire. There's going to be a ton of segments uh, dealing with that along with, you know, getting you uh, the 10 points for a week or you know, uh, just random fantasy questions that you guys might have. So we want you to be as interactive as possible with us on the site and on Twitter. And uh, Tony, you had actually written an article for FF Toolbox, I think just last week, uh, with the tight end tiers. I'm curious to know exactly what what were you, uh, you know, kind of tackling there and how do you see the tight end shaping out this year in the fantasy world? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I did a, a little spot there for FF Toolbox where we are, you know, it's sort of a snap decision sort of thing. What are you going to do when you're on the clock? And, you know, this is what we're doing now is looking at, at some of these second and third tier tight ends. I would say uh, for this particular piece, it's second tier tight ends. So the three of them we tackled and, you know, it's I wouldn't say that it's controversial, but a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. So what I like to do is actually talk about the why. We have the opinions that we have instead of just throwing out some rankings. So the three guys we were looking at were Kyle Rudolph from Minnesota, Dennis Pitt out of Baltimore, and, of course, uh, Greg Olson from Carolina. Now, right out of the so, shoot, yeah. I got to say, I kind of like Olson out of all those three guys, only because I don't trust Carolina. They don't put up a lot of points, and their wide receiving core is not that great. But what are your thoughts about uh, those three guys? Well, I think he's probably certainly the most consistent out of those three. I think he's the least risk out of those three, uh, and he's certainly the most accomplished of the three. Um, I, I think what you're looking at, you know, and this can go both ways, and this really has to do with philosophy, is if there's nobody else to throw to, is everybody going to roll their coverage to the one receiving threat in Carolina that would be, you know, until, you know, somebody steps up, that's going to be Greg Olson. And now, if you think Calvin Benjamin, a rookie wide receiver, is going to hey! come out of the box, <laughs> it, but I'm never going to bank on a rookie wide receiver. It's just not the way it works, you know, most of the time. And, uh, you know, and then they've got Jericho Cotchery. I mean, obviously, he's a veteran and he grabbed a bunch of touchdowns last year, but he's not going to be worthy of double coverage in most instances. So I just have this feeling that although he's going to be the only target, He's also going to be getting a, a fair amount of coverage and a fair amount of a uh, fair amount of looks from the defenses. I yeah, absolutely. Um, I I agree with you to that point, but I also think if one of those guys can emerge, and again, that's a big if. I just think that there's got to be something to throw to there, and Greg Olson is that guy. I think he's a a good mismatch. Of course, Tony's from Chicago; he's seen, seen him a lot there. Um, he's a guy that can get open. But Pitta raises an interesting point, too, because most of the time the offense that works there is, you know, your X wide receiver and your second look is the tight end. So he's going to be split out wide uh, a bunch of times as well. Your thoughts on uh, Dennis Pitta, my friend? Well, Dennis Pitt is the one that I'm actually who I put at the top of the list on this one. Now, you know, albeit a close fight there. But Dennis Pitta, you know, obviously has a lot of potential coming off of two years ago when everybody thought that, you know, last year was going to be his big year. He suffered the hip injury. He was out. Uh, I don't see him as a big injury risk or no more than anybody else right now. It seems like they're lining him up in different positions. They're, they're going to have him split out. They've even put him in the backfield a couple of times. He's going to be doing a lot of things there and he's going to have his opportunities when he's on the field. He gets more targets than any of these other guys. He gets more targets than anybody else on the, on the, 
Baltimore Ravens when he is on the field and not staying in for coverage. If he's running a route, they're looking to him. So I think what they're doing right now is getting him more involved. And I think before the end of the season's, uh, or I'm sorry, by the time the season's over, you're going to see him with 80 catches. And, you know, the third guy on your list where obviously we have them both third in this tier uh, between these three, if you're going to put a gun to her head, Kyle Rudolph, I don't like it all, really. Um, there is a big question mark still in, uh, you know, the quarterback position in Minnesota. Surprise, surprise. And I apologize to your wife for what you have to suffer through. Uh, but, I mean, is there any upside in taking Kyle Rudolph even later uh, than these two? Well, yeah. I mean, there's upside. I, I think, again, the, the quarterback problem is really the big issue. You've got you've got only quarterbacks in Minnesota who have accuracy problems. That's their what they do. They have accuracy problems. <laughs> Or, you know, so so we're looking at we're looking at Matt Castle possibly starting or maybe we're or maybe we're looking at Teddy Bridgewater. Is Bridgewater the guy? Is he the guy yet? Maybe he will be later. Is he a rookie quarterback who's going to come out and fire 25 touchdowns? I seem to doubt it, uh, particularly because they have uh, Adrian Peterson in the backfield. What Kyle Rudolph gives you is his size speed combination. He is a big guy and he will catch touchdowns likely. If they can get themselves into the red zone, he did it last year and he'll likely do it again. He's not going to be a big PPR guy. He's not going to be a lot of yards after catch guy. He can, if they get down to the red zone, he can score you some touchdowns. So he's definitely somebody in the conversation. I just think with the quarterback problems, I've got to put him a little bit closer to tight end 11, tight end 12. And I agree with you completely. And, you know, the only, it's going to sound terrible. And trust me, I never root for player injuries. But the only reason why you would grab Kyle Rudolph if, if somehow AP goes down in training camp because they might be throwing the ball a lot and uh, I forget their backup who scored three touchdowns against the Eagles. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jake uh, Ariota, Matt Ariota. Matt, uh, are we talking about Adrian Peterson's backup? Yeah, yeah. Is, uh <laughs> Killing me. Yeah, you're really close. You're really that name is very, very close. And the slow white uh, guy, uh, yeah, is uh, behind him who, you know, Toby Gerhardt-esque type of fellow who we'll get into a little bit later as well. And, you know, Tony, I feel like we kind of talk about this every year. Is just the, there's that upper echelon of tight ends, and then it's maybe, 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 maybe. And it's, it's the same thing kind of with running backs as well. But this is the other thing I wanted to know. Should you be pretty aggressive with Jimmy Graham and guys like Jordan Cameron and things like that as it comes around? Or, you know, let's say that you are, like, for instance, I know Tony is on the back end of the first round. Are you more willing to go Jimmy Graham running back on the, you know, if you're doing a snake style draft and you're bang, bang, or is that way too aggressive to kind of attack it that way? You know, I really think it has to do with your philosophy in general. Are you the type of person that waits on these guys or are you the type of person that uh, feels like you can get quality wide receivers and quality running backs later? Um, you know, if you know your league and you know some of these guys are falling, uh, particularly at the running back position, then, yeah, then go ahead and pull the trigger on somebody like a Jimmy Graham at the tail end of the first round. Uh, you know, we had talked uh, earlier possibly about do you take him over, say, a Calvin Johnson mm -hmm. at that point. If you feel like you have the ability to draft deep with receivers and that you can get some value late, some really good value late, then, you know, again, the, that has to do with your philosophy. I, I personally would not. Uh, perhaps in some years, but uh, not in this year. And I think part of that has to do with, again, a lack of the running back 
depth that you'd like to see. And it's the same story every year. Yeah. I mean, it's it seems to be in vogue right now maybe to go wide receiver, right, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end in the first two rounds, make it up uh, in the back end with running back. And you can certainly do that, but you're going to have to have a lot of faith in some of these starting running backs in less than ideal situations or maybe starting running backs with rookies right behind them ready to pounce. Um yeah, and for for instance, with that, Tony, and I apologize for interrupting, like there are, I'm looking at just an overall ADP chart from basically everybody, ESPN, NFL, Yahoo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, a lot of Monty Ball and Arian Foster are above guys like DeMarco Murray, Giovanni Bernard, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell, those guys. I After kind of going back and forth and thinking about it, obviously, no, I don't think anybody would take Jimmy Graham if Calvin Johnson's sitting on the board somehow by the time it gets down to you. Uh, but I, after kind of reconsidering, I don't know. I, I think there could be, I, I'd feel very comfortable going Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, A.J. Green, Brandon Marshall, any one of that kind of combination in that second tier of wide receivers knowing that they're not going to come back and, you know, wait on those guys of, uh, you know, maybe a Alfred Morris a CJ Spiller on the back end, or do you think that's impossible for them to be there again? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be really tough for these guys to be there again. I mean, you know, if, if there is a, a run at that, that wide receiver position, that second tier that usually ends around Brandon Marshall, Julio Jones, depending on your, you know, what you think usually ends around wide receiver seven. Uh, we'll say it that way is usually gone. People are backing up there. If you're, if you're drafting 12th, like I am in my my uh, uh, you know my 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 important league, um, you notice after a couple of mock drafts that those those running backs aren't there. So now the guys that you're looking at are going to be Toby Gerhart, Rashad Jennings, um, Ryan Matthews, yeah, Bishop Bishop Sankey, yeah. Doug Martin's not even lasting that long that he's he's getting taken somewhere in the third round for the most part. If if he were around I would take him but in the, you know, 10 or so mock drafts at that position, I haven't gotten Doug Martin once to come back. Um so it's basically and, and that mean, might it, be it, fine. Yeah, and it's a it's a maybe it's a dangerous game to play if you go wide receiver wide receiver. It looks sexy with Demarius Thomas and AJ Green as you're starting to. Looks really great especially if you're starting three. Even better, but that's the risk you take because, you know, you can have Jimmy Graham, one of those guys, and Le'Veon Bell, and, or uh, you know Giovanni Bernard, and I think that's a better situation you can be in because on the back end you're gonna guys have like you know Randall Cobb, uh, you know Keenan Allen, Vincent Jackson, Victor Cruz, those type of guys. I think you can compile three or four of those guys together uh, rather than you know it's we always want to try and get away from running backs because it's a passing league. But the featured running backs are growing, are, are disappearing in front of our eyes. So I think that's the best thing to do is just stick with running back, tight end, wide receiver combo uh, type of thing. No, there. without a doubt. And with that being said, I mean, it doesn't mean we need to go back to the old ways and go running back, running back. Right. Although there's a point to be made there. It just doesn't seem likely, especially with the with that talent at the top of the tight ends and the talent at the top of the uh, wide receivers and even quarterbacks, if that's your if that's your game, um, to not go running back, running back. You know it, that that those days are probably past. Um, 
But, you know, obviously at 12, it looks like Le'Veon Bell is a guy that's around for now. Things do change, obviously. Monte Ball occasionally drops down to you at 12. I hate it. I hate Monte Ball. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, like I don't know why. If, if they can make Sean Moreno look that good in Denver last year, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do it with Monte Ball. Ronnie Hillman will get three carries. He'll fumble twice, and <laughs> that'll be it for him. Well, so I think Monte Ball is going to get the work. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of our boy, Sean Moreno, around this town, we have the, the hashtag Sean sucks. Thank you, LaShawn McCoy, for, yeah. for spreading that it's love. Very, but that's it, very creative. Yeah, I lo- it's, it's uh, you know, straightforward Pittsburgh education there, uh, Tony Scassali. Uh, they, um, Dave Wanstash. Dave Wanstash. The... Interesting ADP drop this year after having such a phenomenal year is no Sean Moreno. Um, just absolutely disrespects the entire Miami running game, and rightfully so. But is that a guy that could end up, even if he has half of the year that he did last year, where do you feel is a good spot to get him uh, for great value. What's what's the target last round that you could probably go after? Well, looking looking at where he's going, it looks like they everybody expects him to have exactly half of the year that he had last year. <laughs> so you know, if last year he had a thousand yards and ten touchdowns, uh, there looks like people are expecting him about five hundred yards yeah, and five wow. touchdowns. I think part of the problem is the running game in Miami is. You know, the offensive line was terrible last year. It looks like they're putting it back together a little bit. Um, obviously, there were some problems. It may have made the news. I don't know if you watched any football. Um, but, yeah, they seem to have gotten some of those things straightened out. I think what's nice about Noshan is he he's still likely to get the, you know, get the catches. But, you know, reports are he came into camp, you know, a little, little bit fat, a little bit slow, not, you know, not at the top of his game. He's Nobody wanted him in the off season. He sort of had to settle for a, you know, a second rate contract in Miami. You know, so he does have something to prove. I'm a little bit higher on him than his ADP, uh, which I don't know what you're looking at right now with his ADP, but I've got him. You know, some of these charts have him down at uh, running back 45. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's about which, where he is here too. Yeah, no. So I mean, you know, for a guy who is still likely starting, it's not like Lamar Miller solidified anything last year. It's not like Daniel Thomas has done anything, you know. So obviously they were looking for somebody. Uh, you know, it would be a pretty, you know, unimpressive three-headed monster if they were having all three of those guys sub in all the time. So I still do expect Noshan Moreno to get in shape in camp and get himself you know, 15 to 20 touches a game, which still puts him, you know, well above his RB45 uh, ranking. Uh, I think I probably wouldn't touch him before the seventh round, uh, which is to say something about a potential starting running back. If his camp, you know, uh, looks good, I'm sure he'll move up everybody's list and then you'll be talking about fifth or sixth round pick and that he would be the starting running back. Um, Obviously, he's a high motor guy, but maybe not a big off-season guy from, from what the reports are saying. <laughs> the Dustin Bufflin of the National Football League. Uh, <laughs> hockey fans might get that joke, otherwise maybe not. Um, yeah, I just I, laughed. Those were funny words <laughs> that you put together. The uh, yeah, I mean, like you, uh, for the for the homers like uh, like us guys here. I mean, you're probably better off going with Darren Sproles at that point. Um, you know, even he'll, and he'll probably go before long before. Uh, no, Sean Moreno does too, because there's there's just more upside there, more touchdowns to be had, um, and and that's the thing. Uh, the other thing we didn't get into, Tony, is just what kind of impact. Like you saw the adaptability of what 
happened here in Philadelphia. You saw Chip Kelly come in and come over. The running game took over. Shady's the number one back in the league. Riley Cooper has some amazing fantasy games here and there. Uh, Deshaun Jackson has a career year, all that type of stuff. When you're looking at uh, things like that, how much does that impact the value of a fantasy player, negative or positive? For instance, I know Tony and I have been talking about A.J. Green versus Brandon Marshall. And I personally think, and this isn't to humor Tony in any any kind of capacity, I just think that Chicago has a better offensive uptick right now than Cincinnati does. I don't trust that group of guys. It's a different, you know, uh, it's a different court. I mean, that's Jay Gruden's offense. Now he's in Washington. I think that has a humongous impact on on, uh, what goes on there and how the offenses run. Am I looking too much into that, though, Tony? Are you not as worried with those top-tier guys? You know, big guys are going to get the ball regardless. Well, I think there, you know, it definitely makes a little bit of difference. A lot of these coaches and coordinators come in with, uh, you know, a bit of a background. So you know what's going to happen. You know what you're going to get uh, in Minnesota. You have a better idea what you're going to get with the new uh, the new regime maybe in uh uh, if coordinators in Cleveland. But what seems to be very interesting is, uh, you know, these second year guys now. So when you talk about Chip Kelly, there was no other coach that came into uh, last year with greater expectations and, and more of a microscope on what he was doing uh, than Chip Kelly. And you look and you see, you know, a great deal of success. Sort of the same thing happened in Chicago, but to a lesser degree, because people knew much less about Mark Tressman coming out of uh, coming out of Montreal than they did about Chip Kelly coming out of Oregon. But everybody sort of had that same idea. This is a quarterback guy. This is going to really help your wide receivers. And those things definitely bore out. So I think if you have, you know, some insider perspective and you can find out a little bit about these guys, I think it actually does make quite a bit of difference. And I think, you know, people like Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall definitely benefited. I think Deshaun Jackson definitely benefited. I don't anticipate him having the same kind of year next year, even if his new coach does like to throw the ball a lot, and he does. Yeah, because, and that's the thing too, especially, and this is, trust me, Tone, we've been on fire all over this blog about Deshaun Jackson. But you're right. I mean, as far as like a fantasy perspective, that's a guy that, yeah, it's a downhill passing attack. Yeah, Pierre Garçon might get more catches because Deshaun's taking the top off or, or whatever comes out from there. But, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of other impacts that you have to look at. For instance, I know we've gone back and forth with, uh, you know, Rashard Jennings and how that kind of pans out. And you take Toby Gerhardt over Rashad Jennings. And my first thought is absolutely, especially if we need a potential RB2 or a flex there. And, uh, you know, again, it doesn't make me happy that I'm stuck with either one of those guys, but I, I, I don't trust the Giants offensive line. They got three new starters on there and never been, you know, across from or next to one another. Rather, um, I, I just kind of look at those things and I say <laughs> uh, draft running backs early. <laughs> and if you can't, you're going to have to draft a lot of them and hope one of them hits like, you know, maybe Carlos Hyde has a breakout year, but. So again, you know, that's tone. It really comes down to philosophy, and we're not saying running back, running back, but err on the side of caution and take the running back early. Yeah, and I see exactly what you're saying. I'm gonna. I would only make this one caveat. A lot of it's going to have to do with where you're drafting. If you are drafting in the top five, yeah, you're going to take a running back early, but you can sit back after that. You've got your your bell cow for the year. If you're going late and you're a little bit worried about who's going to be there in the later rounds. You're right to be worried. That's that's really what we're saying. You're right to be worried that these guys coming back, uh, you know, around that turn of three, four, it's going to be slim pickings. If you have faith 
in Rashad Jennings or Toby Gerhardt or Ryan Matthews, go ahead and do that. Uh, If you think you have faith in drafting very deep guys, last year's like Joyk Bell, these guys you can plug and play at any given week, yes, go ahead and do it. But know your league. Know who you're with. Know their, I mean, look at your past years and what these guys typically do uh, because it's going to happen again. These guys' philosophies are going to stay the same. So if you see everybody else going running back, running back, grab yourself one of those because there's not going to be too many left and grab yourself one of those top receivers. And uh, final thoughts before we go, Tone, I just want to give me one player that is right under your radar or everybody else's radar that you're probably a little higher on than everybody else. Well, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, If for any reason Jamal Charles holds out of camp, move Niall Davis up your board. People in camp, people who hold out of camp get hurt. They do. They get hurt. It's just the way it goes. You hold out of camp. You don't have a good year. You get hurt. You you play, you play poorly. You play slowly. It takes you a little while to get your feet. Niall Davis is going to be that guy who could be very, very, very valuable to you in the later rounds. Uh, And for me, not really any surprise here, but uh, I'm probably taking Cordell Patterson over a select marquee names. Um, Those being, uh, you know, Michael Crabtree's, uh, your, you know, Deshaun Jackson's. I probably even, I might even throw in Kendall Wright. uh, Kendall Wright, Cordell Patterson over those select guys. I think they, those two have pretty decent wide receiver years uh, towards the later rounds uh, when you need a wide receiver. But uh, more of this discussion Every week, guys, we're you know this is we thank you so much for listening to our first show. Um, we want to get you guys involved as always. Check the hotline, hit us up on Twitter uh, at BGN Radio, uh, at Caserly, at John Barchard. Uh, ask any financing questions you want here in the thread. We'll be more than happy to answer them as we go along. Here, we want to get you guys involved as much as possible. But for Tony Casali, for me, John Barchard, and James Zelter, who will be joining us next week to talk fantasy as well. You've been listening to This Week in Fantasy right here on BGN Radio. This episode of This Week in Fantasy has been brought to you by Eagles Almanac, the 2014 edition. The Eagles Almanac includes detailed analysis, essays, scouting, statistics, and more from the likes of Shil Kapadia, Tim McManus, Jimmy Kemsky, Tommy Lawler, and Bleeding Green Nation's own Brandon Lee Gouton. You'll get in-depth access to the play breakdowns of Chip Kelly's dynamic offense, see how LaShawn McCoy can build on his record-setting season, seeing exactly what Nick Foles' ceiling is, and of course, your guide to the important art of buying an Eagles jersey, the 2014 Eagles Almanac. Grab it now at eaglesalmanac.com.